This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. It has been said that the best teachers are those who create other teachers, and that the best leaders are those who create additional leaders. Marcus and I are going to revisit the topic of leadership development in a follow-up conversation with Mr. Ed Manning, the Executive Director of Leadership Asheville. Stay tuned, and we'll be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvest Show. I'm Darren Waters. So glad to be back here in the studio. Glad to be here again, once again, with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is it going? It's good, it's good to be here. It's always refreshing to engage with you and, and, and our various guests. So as always, it's energizing. It really is. Yeah. I mean, we I think there are a lot of conversations that are going on right now about leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might say that we're kind of in a troubled space, that we're not seeing really good leaders being mm-hmm. developed lately, um, that it's not like it was in the past, but leadership development is something that's very important, and we've talked about that before. So, yeah. Marcus, I'm really glad to be back here again talking yeah, sure. to Ed Manning about this particular topic because I think it's important about where yeah. our communities are going to go to in the future. And, and I think one of the iron one of the ironies of of leadership, and I think what makes the uh, the best kind of leader. Um, is that oftentimes, if you if you look at sort of the history of leadership, really across the world, um, uh, the best leaders haven't always been interested in leadership per se. Yeah. <laughs> um, in in, in exactly. fact, that they they often um, avoid the spotlight. Right. So there's there's a, there's um, there's there's kind of a often a, a built-in aversion to leadership uh, that often serves as one of the essential ingredients to to the most effective. Forms of leadership, right. ironically, yeah. not always. But you, ironically, I think that you're right. Terms. I think yeah. that you're very right, Marcus, because I think so many people are very ego driven, yeah. and you know yeah. that needs to be taken out of the way. When I yeah. think, to, in order to have good leaders, and we talked about in the last show that we did with with Ed about what does make a good leader, and one of the things I thought about, mm-hmm. especially as a historian, is and someone who has the ability to empathize. Empathy yeah. is very important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and also I'll, I'll say another another trait of a of a leader is a willing to and this is you know this is this takes away some of the glamour of being a leader but a willingness to sacrifice mm-hmm. right i think leadership itself is a form of sacrifice right. that is oftentimes painful oftentimes requires vulnerability um, and this isn't often how leadership is imagined or discussed, especially, right. especially in American society. Right. I had the opportunity to do a welcome uh, not too long ago for Leadership North Carolina. They were meeting here in Asheville. And this is a program across the state. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of doing the same thing that Leadership Asheville does, but it's doing it statewide. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, in my introduction, I told them I couldn't help, or in my welcome, I couldn't help but think about, you know, a comment that Cornell West has made about leadership. And he's referred to it as servant leadership. Mm. In order to be a good leader, mm. you must be willing to serve. Mm. And not a lot of people are willing to do that. You think being in um, in a leadership position means that you don't have to do the there dirty work. Go. But I have found that people respond well to people who are willing to do those jobs that mm. they're asking other people to yeah, do. Yeah, and, and I think along with, along with the idea of, of leadership as servant, and this kind of goes to your point about empathy, leaders are able to and willing to listen <laughs> to right. those who are not leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think oftentimes that skill is overlooked and and frequently lost Mm -hmm. um and in leadership as we see it especially today so i think these are you know these are important considerations to keep in mind as we think about leadership and what that looks like my marcus i can't help but say this again and think about it again that nelson mandela for me was one of those leaders uh in 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 our lifetime i think you we get to see these moments um Mm -hmm. not too often in history when i look at it when great leader 
others emerge. But um, Nelson Mandela was just one of those people uh, mm-hmm. who really sticks out and uh, like a neon sign in my mind when I think about leadership. And at one point, he actually said, to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and, enha- and enhances the freedom of others. Mm-hmm. Here in this country, we put a high price on freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are we doing uh, to actually enhance that for other people, to ensure that other people enjoy um, freedom in a way that is meaningful for their lives? Yeah, and, th- and this reminds me of another leader um, <laughs> that at, that perhaps um, isn't, isn't, isn't often thought of explicitly as a leader, but that person would be James Baldwin, right. right? The great writer, social activist, and kind of like Mandela, uh, mm-hmm. Baldwin also linked um, the idea of freedom, of his freedom, right, the freedom of African Americans, to the freedom of, of everybody. Right. Um, so freedom is not is not a is not purely a subjective um, goal. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a goal according to Baldwin, Mandela, and also King. I would say, right, um, it is a goal that necessarily involves. Um, Everyone mm-hmm. um, sort of figuring this thing out together. Right. Um, and so this, this is a good point to keep in mind. Well, yeah. we want to have this conversation in a much more deeper way with uh, Mr. Ed Manning, who's leading Leadership Asheville. And Marcus and I are going to step out for a moment and come back with that conversation. Well, again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. Thank you all for staying with us, and thank you for for listening. We're glad to be coming to you all again from the the, the studio here at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And Marcus and I are really, uh, I think that this is a topic that uh, both of us think a lot about, especially as professors who are studying the past. And we're so glad to have here with us again in the studio, Mr. Ed Manning, who is here. He's leading Leadership Asheville, a program that he's going to tell us a little bit more about. He has talked to us about that before, but we want to go back and just talk to him about that because each year he starts a new class and there's a new opportunity for a new, for a new set of people to go into the Leadership Asheville program. And we hope that people in the community are thinking about the opportunity this creates for them. But we're glad to have Mr. Ed Manning here. Ed, thank you for stopping in to see us once yeah. again. Welcome back, Ed. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, how have things been since we saw you last time? Things have been interesting. Uh, I think going very well. Leadership Asheville continues to grow, and that's a that's a plus for us. But like you both were saying earlier, this notion of leadership and how it's presented in our country right now, I think, is at a real turning point. Mm-hmm. And and more so than ever, we need a new style and and paradigm around leadership. Um, so that movement away from that old command and control, just do what I tell you to do, um, kind of model that's been used forever to one that really does embrace um, empathy and um, self-awareness right. and, and emotional intelligence so that people can truly listen and hear from others. I've always argued that leadership comes from anywhere in an organization. You don't have to have the role, the title. You can be in a prison cell like Nelson Mandela and still lead. Um, And I I think we need to – I think our country, our community is recognizing that. And so having people step into leadership when it's appropriate and then be able to step back and follow when it's appropriate. Right, right. So that that brings to mind my my first question for you. So – Leaders need to be developed, right? We've talked about that Absolutely. before. So what is going on in the world of leadership development right now? Yeah, I, the biggest push that I've seen and, um, and something that was not 
uh, readily available as I came up is that whole notion of emotional intelligence. Um, it, it used to be where, well, emotions have no place in the business world or the professional world. So just check your emotions at the door. And that's not accurate because that's not fully human. So people can't be authentic. Mm -hmm. um, and you talk about the great leaders that you mentioned earlier, they were authentic because they brought their whole self. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's actually come about now is there's many more programs promoting emotional intelligence and, and self-awareness and self-regulation and social awareness and mm -hmm. really understanding that you can be empathetic with someone else and still fully disagree with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to disagree vehemently or um, with sarcasm or, or put downs or any of those kind of things. Right. And there's a way to have a conversation and a dialogue and actually learn something. Mm -hmm. yeah. That brings and, up the whole issue of civility. Oh, which, <laughs> which is a whole conversation in itself. Mm -hmm. But speaking of developing leaderships, uh, leaders, Ed, um, I think I believe the last time we spoke, you were in the process of organizing the 37th uh, Leadership Asheville class. Um, and I'm curious to hear how that class turned out for you. Um, yeah. I lost my headphones. I'm not sure I heard that whole question. Oh, okay. no. I, so I was asking that the last time I said the last time that, that we spoke, Ed, I think that you were in the process of of developing the 37th um, Leadership Asheville class, and I'm curious to to know how that how that's turning out for you. How that it, has it's gone. been really great. Okay. Um, and and thankfully, um, Leadership Asheville underwent an equity audit um, oh. with Desiree Adderay and her group and looked at our processes and, and programs and um, things that we could do to really increase um, equity and inclusion in the program. Okay. Two years ago, we had no applications from anyone of color, uh, which was heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, really purposely looked at ourselves and looked at what we were doing and what we could do to increase that. And I'm happy to say that LA 37 um, is 14% uh, people of color, mm -hmm. um, which is a great um, step forward, and there's more that we can continue to do with that. Uh, right. Continue to offer scholarships and things um, like that, and our alumni support that, mm -hmm. and that's been really helpful. It's interesting because our demo the demographics of our community and of the nation is changing, right? So this issue, we're hearing a lot of talk about the issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here's what I would like to ask you. with This, this whole word equity. I'm hearing it a lot, and I find that when you bring that up with people, there's a, there are a lot of people who don't know exactly what that means are. They're a bit confused about the meaning of that. So when we talk about equity, in your mind, Ed, what are we talking about? Yeah, let me just step back to and, and, and define all three, equity, inclusion, um, and diversity. Diversity is, is simply numbers. Mm -hmm. um, how many folks do you have in the room that are of different color, race, religion, um, ideology, you name it? Um, that doesn't mean that they feel welcome. That doesn't mean that um, they're given the opportunity to give input or that their voice is respected. That's what inclusion would be, would be making people feel welcome regardless of where they're coming right. from. Mm -hmm. And equity, I think, is one step further where you actually um, give equal access um, and equal power, realizing that everybody comes from a different place. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, scholarships and tuition, for example, is a perfect example of that. There are, um, given the racial inequity in this country that's existed for its, since its inception, um, to ask a person of color 
who's been brought up really in poverty to pay the same price as someone whose company's paying the tuition is inequitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think offering scholarships is one way to help. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 and this is a tough conversation for our community to have. I mean, the nation as a whole, because, you know, as a historian, I'm always arguing that we don't think enough about the past, or we think about it in a way that uh, makes us feel good. We don't we don't want to deal with some of the hard issues that I st- I think Ed are still with us because as you were talking about that, people who've come from different places and in some way uh, in some in. In many instances, it's policies and decisions that have been made that have created this imbalance that exists in society. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't help, as you were saying that, but think about the whole Reconstruction period. I'm not going to oh. go into that, Marcus, here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this is a period, I think, mm-hmm. you know, that we really do need to reexamine and, yeah. um, and the issues that go with it. And, and I wonder if this 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 un, this, this reticence or this, um, this unwillingness to – uh, squarely look at the past might be related to the next question I want to pose to you, Ed, which is, you know, for all of the talk about diversity, inclusion, and equity that is bandied about all over the place, higher educational circles, broader society, the corporate sector, mm-hmm. uh, there seems to be a, quite quite a bit of confusion um, about, you know, what what, for instance, equity itself means, which you just um, sort of, you know, defined for us in a very clear, helpful way. Could you speak a little bit about what, as you see it, accounts for this confusion? Um, because oftentimes I don't, I mean, even, you know, uh, um, um, in my own classroom, um, it, it, it's, it's clear that, that students aren't always um, uh, coherent in their thinking about, about what, these, what these ideas really mean on the ground. So, so some thoughts about that. Well, I'll give you some thoughts with, yeah. with the caveat up front that, one, I'm no expert. <laughs> so I, I'm, learning, I'm learning as we go as yeah. well. So I yeah. just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think equity has, is sort of new that's been um, talked about more in the last five years, at least in my experience, um, and, and is almost replacing diversity. Um, equity inclusion is now the term I'm hearing more and more folks use because the diversity issue is really about we don't have the numbers. Say for a for-profit company, we don't have diversity on the board, whether that's gender or mm. color or whatever. Mm. Um, and it was a matter of, okay, so we get a few people on the board. But if they're not made to feel welcome, if they're not really wanted there, if their voice isn't listened to, then it's not inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that notion of equity of, well, when you look, and I think this is a challenge for our community, um, as Darren, you mentioned earlier, the population here, we are not a diverse community. Mm-hmm. We like to think we are, and I hear people say, well, Asheville's so diverse. Mm-hmm. Maybe in acceptance of ideology, mm-hmm. but we're not as diverse in um, color. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've seen in the last few years is that number is shrinking. Um, and it, you know, at some point, you get into a downward spiral when you have young folks of color who are graduating high school, and they look around, and there's either not the college they want to go to, or they go away to college, and they realize there's a much bigger pool in Charlotte, in Atlanta, and you know what? It's more fun because mm-hmm. I can hang out with more people who look like me. Right, right. Um, so we end up losing more who don't come back, um, and that's a real challenge because this place will just continue to get more homogenous. Right. It's interesting, and I've been reading a lot about these issues lately, and I recently read in an article in, well, it may have not been a recent article. I don't know. I can't remember the date, but it was in Forbes magazine where they were saying that companies, rather 
rather than focusing so much on the diversity piece, they need to focus on inclusion. Um, and that that will help to actually facilitate uh, people who are tra- a more diverse group of people who are attracted. But you you brought up this issue of boards too, corporate boards, who are sitting on uh, the boards that lead, boards. that's right, yeah. that are leading institutions. I think it's fundamentally important. I mean, Marcus and I hear a lot about students saying, uh, are the studies show that people need to be able to see people who look like them in positions of, of power and positions of authority, even in the classroom, that it makes a fundamental difference. Um, what, what I want to talk about a little bit here, because every year you do the Buzz Breakfast series uh, through Leadership Asheville. And can you tell us again a little bit about what that is about? And I know that last year, because this will be coming up pretty soon here, that last year you focused on these issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion in that series. Um, I would like for you to just talk a little bit about what the outcome of that. How did that turn out? Well, I think they went really well. I, part of our challenge, of course, is um, not having the, uh, enough resources to take those conversations further and, and um, maybe bring about a community discussion that continues that conversation. Um, but I think they, um, for many people, and the feedback I got from those who attended, that it was very positive and that, yes, this is a topic we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. We're kind of doing a continuation of that with this year's Buzz Breakfast, um, and there's a committee of Leadership Asheville alumni who get together to plan and, and put together the whole Buzz Breakfast series. Um, but this year, they're really focusing on a connected community. So it's that inclusion mm-hmm. piece around, okay, well, what does it really mean to be a connected community, and how do we do that? What are we currently doing that helps us connect, and what do we really want a vision in the future? Mm-hmm. As I'm listening, so many things are popping up in my mind <laughs> because of conversations that I have been participating in even now because but historically there's been so much distrust mm-hmm. that has been built up how do you have any any views on how we can overcome the distrust that has been built up in so many uh, in between so many groups yeah and also just just a thought that's just popping up for me as well is that it seems to be the one, one issue that has to be addressed not by you necessarily ed but just as we think about this this whole this whole issue and people like james baldwin have addressed this right mm-hmm. but the assumption that people of color that all people of color are desirous of inclusion in the first mm-hmm. place right that they want to be included in these spaces mm-hmm. and um and i think that that's that's a, that's a consideration that often gets overlooked um mm-hmm. anyway just a thought to 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 mix the pot a little bit more Right. Well, and and I would hope that they would want to be included Mm. because I I, I can imagine – it's heartbreaking to imagine a community that is homogeneous Mm. Mm. Um, and and to see – say the african-american community for example move out or leave um, because jobs are better elsewhere because they have more access to different things they can be in positions of power et cetera, so forth to me that would be an absolute terrible loss for our community um, so one i do hope that there are some folks of color who want to be included and want to have a say in what this place looks like in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So you've you've got this new buzz series that's coming up, and I think it's appropriate that you would follow it up with this, you know, 
connectedness. Um, how are we connected as a community? It, it's going to be an important conversation. And, and that, and Ed, you know, that gets into, it will lead us into discussions about resources and how resources are used. I think that um, I'm hearing that there's already some some tension that has, that has kind of emerged in some of these conversations in the community at large. I had the opportunity to participate in the Buzz series last year with Kimberly Archie, who is the Equity and Inclusion Officer for the City of Asheville. And I just can't remember, I can't help but remember the presentation that we did together because I focused mostly on the historical past mm-hmm. and this moment, you know, that we're in the sesquicentennial of the of American Reconstruction that people were not talking a lot about. And then to hear Kimberly get up and say, you know, uh, the truth will set you free and then it will piss you off. <laughs> no. She was fabulous. She yeah, was truly fabulous. Um, and, and I think, Marcus, to your point earlier, yeah. what, and I'm no expert again, but mm-hmm. I, I think um, one is recognizing what history really was and mm-hmm. and maybe even asking forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a long step in listening to the different histories. Because mm-hmm. I know growing up in the South and the history that I learned through high school and college is not the whole history. Mm-hmm. Um, and now having read books and um, listened to talks and TED Talks and other things that I've learned, there's a whole history that I was never exposed to mm-hmm. um, that really does open my eyes in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to show people if we're ever going to get the trust back mm-hmm. um, to build a connected community. Yeah, right. And, and this, this this Buzz Breakfast really does strike me as a, as a space where some very difficult, challenging, provocative conversations can occur. And, and with that in mind, I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit, Ed, to what the response to last Buzz Year's breakfast was. Um, was it who, who was involved in it? Um, uh, what was sort of the outcome as far as discussion is concerned? Yeah, last year we took a little bit of a different approach. Typically mm-hmm. the Buzz Breakfast has been a panel discussion or two or three pre- presenters um, that have a moderator and, and they do most of the dialogue with you know the last 10 minutes being Q&A. This year, because we wanted to have more dialogue um, this past year, we had nonprofits um, come in and talk about um, what their nonprofit was doing in the area, mm. um, what work they had been going um, in, in both um, equity and inclusion mm-hmm. work that they were doing, um, and what resources they both have and need. Um, so we were hopeful, and, and the feedback I got from the folks that talked to me afterward was they liked that model. They, they liked having smaller conversations. Um, there's, a, there's a few who did say, you know, at, at breakfast at that early in the morning, I, I just want to come and listen. <laughs> I want to have my cup of coffee, and I want to listen. Um, and, and so I get that. And, and the conversations that you're talking about, I do believe um, we need more time. We, we need to have more conversations, and we need to have more time to have deeper conversations. Right. So, Ed, uh, Leadership Asheville is getting ready to uh, – is beginning – is starting the process of developing the 38th class, right? That's correct. Can you talk a little bit about that? How is that going? Who can participate? And just sh- how, how should our listeners engage in that process? Certainly. The applications are open. Um, leadershipasheville.unca.edu. Uh, it's the best way to get there. There's a button to click on to apply. Anyone can apply. Um, the parameters are set out, and there's more information on the website. We're looking for folks who have about four or five years of work experience at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. Um, our class age ranges everywhere from late 20s to late 60s mm-hmm. um, and everything in between. We are, you know, we take for-profit, non-profit, government, education, um, 
we try and get a very diverse class, both industry-wise, um, both age-wise. We try and balance it male and female. Um, so again, the more diverse the class, the better the learning is for everybody involved. Um, and so we're really looking for a large pool of applicants. And, and you know, I've heard people say that this is really a way to get a crash course introduction to this community, that you build relationships that you know would take an incredible amount of time any other way, but you can you can develop yeah. relationships really quick across the board. Absolutely. I went through Leadership Asheville 31, and that was probably the best thing for me, having been teaching or doing some form of leadership development for 20-something years. I didn't think I'd need the leadership perspective of it, uh, but the networking alone was so worth it. I mean, right. I'm, I'm friends with CEOs and people who I never would have had right. access to, and, and I can pick up the phone and call them just at any time and ask for help or ask a question or see mm-hmm. how they're thinking. And I know that I have not gone through the program, but I've been privileged enough to kind of attend some of your sessions to be involved with that, and I'm amazed at the plethora of things that are going on across this community and the work that people are doing, and if not having engaged with this program, I don't know that I would have known that as, you know, because we can get very siloed in Absolutely. our own place and it's sometimes very yeah. difficult and, and we have natives who go through the program folks that were born oh, and raised in Asheville and they they say oh my god I can't believe I, I never knew that about my own city mm-hmm. and and then of course folks who are just coming here from somewhere else like you said it's three years of networking done in nine months it's fabulous so it one more question for me then i turn mm-hmm. it over to marcus i'm thinking that this participation in leadership Asheville give you the opportunity to participate in leadership north carolina um, they're not they're not mutually exclusive. You mm-hmm. don't have to do one and then the other. Okay. Uh, but it is certainly a great stepping stone because mm-hmm. their program is very similar. Uh, but like you said earlier, it's on a statewide level mm-hmm. versus the local. Ours is not just Asheville. It's all of Buncombe and the region. Right. We do talk a lot about regional issues. Well, it really sounds like Leadership Asheville is, is growing um, in participation and, and this popularity and so forth. And I'm curious with that in mind, um, Ed, if you could speak a little bit to uh, new programs that may be under development and also ways in which um, existing programs are being refined, enhanced, um, strengthened, etc. Great, uh, mm-hmm. great question. We are offering more programs. There's for the last two years, we've offered a um, Leadership Asheville's Executive Director Roundtable. So it's a group oh. of nonprofit executives oh. that um, face their own challenges and, and can be limited in in their own development. Um, if they have an issue with staff personnel, they can't go to the board and complain about the staff. If they have an issue with the board, they can't go to the staff and complain about the board. So it gives them a group, a safe space for them to um, talk through issues and challenges, and it's been working really well. They meet once a month. Um, We're looking to start one for um, CEOs in the area, Mm -hmm. Um, sort of a 12-week, six-meeting version of the leadership program with top-level CEOs in the the community. and then we also just started this year for our alumni, uh, Leadership Asheville Face-to-Face, mm-hmm. where they actually have lunch with uh, an invited guest. So folks like the mayor and, and the chancellor and um, Mr. Jack Cecil and uh, Deborah Campbell, the new city mm-hmm. manager, mm-hmm. they've all signed up this year to host a lunch. And, and we've got alumni coming in. And it's great because you get to have a real conversation over a meal mm-hmm. with them and get to know them in a different way. Well, Ed, this is wonderful, a wonderful conversation to hear about what Leadership Asheville is doing. I want, and I think Marcus would say the same thing, applaud your efforts to, to address these tough issues. So thank you for coming thank in you. again, and we will we'll look forward to talking to you again yeah. uh, next time. Marcus and I will be back in a moment.
Well, again, this has been the Waters and Harvey Show. Marcus, this has been a great conversation with Ed. I, I could continue this conversation about mm-hmm. leadership development. It is so necessary when I look at some of the challenges that the community is facing and certain pockets of the community are facing, mm-hmm. people who have kind of been isolated on the margins for a yeah. long time. And if we're now trying to build this more equitable society, yeah. we need to really develop the leaders that can help bring them into the mainstream. Yeah, and I'm thinking about those leadership qualities that we outlined earlier. And what I find ironic is that in a democratic nation state like our own, it appears that those qualities are not naturally cultivated. Mm-hmm. And the question is why? Right. But that's a larger conversation. <laughs> it really is. And I think, you know, Mark, Mark is finding a way to actually applaud the work that people have been doing mm-hmm. for a long time or celebrate that work, I think is something that we need to think about as well as a local community. Well, Marcus and I have enjoyed this conversation with you all again. And we want to remind you that the Waters and Harvest Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. Follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.